Hey, we're going to jump into week two of this series. I started last week on Easter called Running on Empty. And by the way, if this is your week two, if this is only your second time with us, or even your first time, I just want to stop and say, welcome home. Come on, you belong here. We're so pumped that you're here with us. We've been praying for you. We're excited that you're here along with us. And I'm going to continue where I left off last week, starting a brand new series um, uh, uh, um, called Running on Empty. And last week, I tried to introduce the topic that's very relevant today. It, it, it starts with the question, how do I refuel my tank if I'm running on empty? And some of us might be in a momentary season of empty where it's like, Pastor Drew, come on, I am, I am empty and, and, and I need a refueling and I want to show you where hope is found and I want to show you uh, how to refill your tank. And sometimes we cause our own tanks to go empty. Other times we didn't do anything and life just seemed to come and hit us from around the corner and it's like a gut punch out of nowhere and we're all of a sudden on empty. But listen, God didn't design us to be like a high school kid who just learned how to drive. Come on, I remember when I just learned how to drive, I, I, I had spent all my money on a vehicle and then insurance took me out. So how many of y'all like didn't know the cost of gas either. And you were just like, every time you went to the gas station, you're like, just put five bucks in it because I'm perpetually running on empty. I don't have much to offer, but come on. Uh, we're not going to live that way. That's when gas was 25 cents a gallon. And right now some young people are going, how old are you? Come on now. <laughs> I'm just messing. But listen, um, God wants us to have a full tank and there are going to be seasons in life, even when you're walking close to God, where it can feel like, my goodness, Pastor, I'm going through a season where things feel dry and things feel empty. And I want to equip you for those seasons, whether you're in it right now or whether you're about to be in it in the future. And so um, we're looking at it through the lens of Job. Job is a book of, our, uh, of your Bible. It is not pronounced job. You're like, I've always called that thing job, right? I always thought it was about my workplace and my occupation. It might be able to help you in that area, but it's about a man named Job. Believe it or not, it's one of the oldest books in the entire Bible. It was one of the first written ones. Um, even before Genesis, it was recorded. And it tells us a lot about a man's life who seemingly had it together, was doing things in a godly way and living right, and then out of nowhere, by, by, by no uh, guilt of his own, ran into a situation where his life ran empty. And so I, I've rearranged this week's message to better introduce you to the life of Job. I want to help answer, who is Job? Do we have anything in common? And can I learn anything from him today? And for the next four weeks, we are going to learn some incredible truths, truths through his life. So let me introduce you to him. Go in your Bible to the book of Job. I would be most honored if you would use your Bible. If you didn't bring it, that's okay. You can use your smart device for the smartest thing possible, and that's putting your Bible on there. And the second smartest thing is taking notes, because note takers are history makers. That's only, I know that because it rhymes, and that's the only reason I know it, okay? And so anyway, um, if you would, open your Bible to that. You can read along on the screen as well, but I love it when you kind of read it in your own Bible. I'll be coming out of New Living Translation. You can follow along in Job 1, starting with verse 1, and it says this, there was once a man named Job 
who lived in the land of Uz. He was, say this next word with me, blameless. Let's say it one more time. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. This brother had ten kids in all. He also owned 7,000 sheep. Does that not impress somebody? Some, look at your neighbor. 7,000. Come on. 7,000. 3,000 camels, if that's not enough. 500 teams of oxen and 500 female donkeys. That don't even include the male donkeys. This brother's hooked up. He also has had many servants to help with this load. In modern translations, he's got a lot of employees. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes. Okay, the, the word feast here is a really kind way of saying Job's sons liked to party a little bit. <laughs> and when they partied, sometimes... Uh, it, it says this, uh, um, I lost my spot. Um, when they, uh, they, and when they partied in their homes, they would sometimes invite their sisters to celebrate with them. Come on, isn't that so nice of them to include their sisters too? And when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and he'd offer a burnt offering from one of his 7,000 sheep for each of them. And for Job would say to himself, perhaps, perhaps my children have sinned. Perhaps they have cursed God in their hearts. Perhaps their festivities and parties went too far. Perhaps they took too many liberties and so on their behalf, he interceded regularly. And the Bible says that this was Job's regular practice. Man, this is like one of the sweetest fathers you could possibly have. This is one of the kindest men. This is a thoughtful man. This is a spiritual man. He is healthy. He is wealthy. And he is, um, um, most importantly, what the Bible says about him is he is blameless, a man of complete integrity now how good does it feel to be blameless come on if you, you ever been in a class before and the teacher says i know people were cheating up in here and i'm about to call out names if you're one of the ones who are blameless you're like whoo it ain't me how many y'all got siblings come on isn't it kind of funny when mom or dad or grandparents get all out of sorts and they said hold up kids and who did this? And you find out you didn't do it, and you're like, oh, this is about to be funny. Like, where's the popcorn? I just want to watch this. Come on. My grandparents, if you're a grandparent in here, let me give you some free advice. Never make one of those rooms that little kids can't go into, okay? Because my grandparents had, like, this white room where, like, all this nice furniture, and they're like, never go in there. Under the penalty of death, never go in there. Well, what does any little kid do? They start wondering, how do I get in there and not get caught? Yeah, you know, and, and, and we, were, we were boys growing up in South Louisiana, me and my older brother. I had myself a Saint helmet. Come on. He had himself a Dallas Cowboys helmet. You could see where the favor of God rested on in that family. Pray for the saints. Come on. The Dallas Cowboys, they, they, they need some help. Come on. Y'all, I know somebody who's a Dallas Cowboys fan and up in here. Y'all pray for him today. Come <laughs> Listen, we go outside, we play some football, we get all sweaty, and then we come inside and we're like, 
I dare you to go touch the wall on the other side of the white room. My brother one time got all dirty. He's all dirty. He's got dirty shoes. He runs across the room. Big old smear. Dirt streak. And then about, uh, we go hide. About an hour later, I hear grandma go, boys! And I was like, ha, ha, this is going to be awesome because your boy here is blameless. Come on. This is awesome. This is going to be great. But it's not so good when siblings lie on you and they pose you. Come on. Y'all done that too? You're like, it wasn't me. Listen, it feels good to be blameless. And in the second week of running on empty, I want to talk about integrity even when even when empty. Integrity even when empty. Let's continue what the book of Job says about Job because it's about to change gears for him. It says in verse 6, one day the members of the heavenly courts, now, now we've changed settings and we're in heaven, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Pause. Time out. Satan's talking with God, and he has been watching everything happening on earth. Now, I need you to understand this. Satan is watching and is interested in you just like God is. Now, he is not equal to God. Praise God, he is not omnipotent. He is not everywhere present like God is. They are not co-equal strengths or powers. God always wins every single time. He has a strength, and I'm going to tell you in week two how Satan is merely a dog on a leash. He has boundaries. There is a limit to his strength and his power. Nonetheless, he has minions, he has demons, he has uh, fallen angels that are helping him watch they report to him and the Bible says that Satan too has been running uh, uh, scopes on you he he's like he's like a sports team who sent out a scout to watch the team that they're gonna play next week he knows your weaknesses he's got a notebook on you all right immorality runs in the family I can use that at just the right time okay anger is a problem in this brother's life okay I can use that at just the right time okay she's got an insecurity gossip is out of control come on I can take notes on that and at just the right time I know how to take this person down we need to realize that Satan has a vested interest in you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and in the highest pitch voice you got say, I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah, got that falsetta out. Let's go. We got all kinds of singers. Uh, admittedly, this was probably my favorite part I was looking forward to in the service. Hearing everybody, I always feel like. Okay, anyway. So then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? Modern day translation, you see my boy Job? <laughs> he is the finest man in all of the earth. He is, say this next word with me, blameless. A man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. There it is again. In just 12 verses, God has pointed out twice that he is a man of integrity, completely blameless. 
nine times in the book of Job and even beyond that, the conversation of integrity is going to come up. And I need to bring a message that is relevant to modern day that we it is time for us to get our spiritual integrity back. There are blessings in that. There are coverings in that. When we walk with God, you're going to see God's got big plans and he works in amazing ways, but we have a responsibility. It's called integrity. What is integrity? I like how Andy Stanley defines it. I'm going to give you his definition. It's doing what you ought to, even when you know it will cost you. I'm going to say that again. You should write it down. What is integrity? It is doing what you ought to, even when you know it will cost you. It is being one with yourself. There is no sense of hypocrite in me because who I am in the dark is who I am in the light. Who I am on Sunday is who I am on Monday and Friday and Saturday. It is being one. It is being uh, unified in thought and theory in our lives. And there is a reward to walking in integrity. And the reward is this, that I have no secrets. I don't have to hide anything. If you write the book of your life, your spouse, your boss, your children and your grandchildren do not have to omit a chapter and go, oh, chapter 7, don't read that one. Let's just skip on back. That wasn't the best chapter of our lives. There is a reward to walking right with God. Even in my wife and I's life, um, my wife has full access to take my phone anytime she wants to. And, and, and when you walk in integrity, you've got no concerns when you take your phone. Now, you might be a little fleshy like me, like the moment they do, is like, why you even got a question? And then I actually, before it even comes out of my mouth, I realize you can take my phone as much as you want because there is nothing that I need to hide from you. Who I have said I will be is who I am going to be, and you can check me on that. Now, whether your spouse figures out a life of integrity or not, whether your pastor does, whether your boss does, whether your kids or grandchildren do, we know that I always feel like somebody's watching me. The most importantly, God is watching every single thing. There is no secret that we can keep from him. And that's why I want you to have the same testimony, testimony that Job did, even when his tank ran empty. He said, in the midst of it, Job 31, verse 6, he said, go ahead and let God weigh me on the scales. Because, he said this, the scales of justice, for he knows my integrity. He can search me up and down. I've got nothing to hide. My friends, he had three friends that were a little bit dumb. Come on, look at you. No, don't look at your neighbor. Just say, you are so dumb. <laughs> don't look at your neighbor and say that. You're like, I thought this was a place of lifting one another. <laughs> he had three friends who were a little bit dumb, who kept questioning his integrity. But I like when you can be like Job and go, you could question it. The courts can question it. Other people can question it. Social media can question it. As for me, let God question it and weigh me on the scales of justice, for he knows my integrity, and I'm blameless, and I've got nothing to hide. I like how Mark Twain says it. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. That feels so good, because I was, I've gone through some periods of time, like, who said what to when and how did, okay. My college roommate would often tell me, if mom calls, tell him I'm at the library. 
That's because there was a college bar called the library. Okay, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Listen. She calling up. How come I got so many receipts on a credit card from the library? Aren't those books free to check out? Okay, anyway. <laughs> Here's the question everyone is asking. The church is asking. Your spouse is asking. Your kids and your family is asking. But most importantly, God is asking. Will your integrity hold up when things heat up? Will your integrity hold up when things heat up? Because we will go through tests in life, and you're going to see that Job, while he was blameless, went through tests. And I'll answer the question of why tests even exist next week when I talk about why, good, why a good God would allow bad things to happen to good people. I had to push it off to next week so I could orient you to Job. But you will go through tests in life, and I'll explain a little bit more about that. Here's three common integrity t- uh, tests that many of us will go through. The first one is this, money. How am I going to handle money? Am I going to have integrity with my money? Am I going to pay taxes? Am I going to be transparent with the government? Am I going to be shady with it? Am I going to hide things from my spouse? Am I going to hide things from my boss? Am I going to hide things from shareholders? Am I going to fudge the numbers a little bit? Am I going to earn it honestly? It's a test of integrity. The second test of integrity you will have is liberties. How far will I take my liberties? And as a Christian, let me just say this. Do you say no when others say yes sometimes? Because there is a point where we realize while everything might be permissible, not everything is beneficial. And so there is a point where as a Christian, our witness says that I, other people might have liberty to take those liberties further. I will restrain myself right here for my witness sake. And I can't tell you where those liberties stop. There are some specific ones. When you drink, you should not drink to intoxication. But do you know when you say one more would be taking too much liberty or not? Having the first sip, I don't know. You're going to have to decide that for yourself. Here's another, liber- uh, here's another test of integrity you're going to have. Pleasures. Do you take what's not yours? Do you overindulge? Do you make excuses that the company owes this to me? Do you, do you spend more than you should have when other people aren't looking? Are you faithful to one partner? These are tests of integrity. Now, if you're in this place and you're like, well, I already screwed that thing up. There is hope and there is restoration and God redeems and restores. And today is the day he's trying to get your, uh, your attention so that you can restore and walk in, t- in integrity because there's blessings in it. Somebody say amen. Let's go to verse 9 and I want to show you. Satan replied to the Lord. Yes, Job is so blameless and perfect. And then he gets out his pointy little finger. His crooked, pointy little finger, he says, but Job has good reason to fear God because you have always protected him. You got this wall of protection around him. Satan's kind of whining up in heaven a little bit. You won't let me touch him. I can't get my hands on him. I can't even touch his house, his possessions, his household, or him because you always protect him and his home and his property. 
tried to throw weeds in that brother's field. You wouldn't even let me put weeds in there. Come on. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Listen to Satan whine a little bit. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. Just like everybody else. There's two things I want you to see from this portion of scripture. It's going to be our main landing place today. Number one is this. That God has a wall of protection around the integris. When you walk under the authority and covering of God. He has a wall of protection overwards that Satan goes, I can't even rain on him. I can't even scare him. The ominous clouds that threaten him, this person walks in impurity. This person walks with lack of concern because you put this protection over him. You cover him. Guys, this is why we pray. Because when we lift up God's name, when we lift up his name and we lift up his word, we can't help but to get underneath the covering and the protection that when everybody else is freaking out, we have a peace inside of us that says this storm will not harm me. Come on. When the clouds get dark, when we go through something difficult, we realize I've got a protection Come on, when the house market drops off, when COVID kicks up, I've got a protection that covers my, mental, my, my emotional state, my mental state, my physical state, that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Come on, because Satan's up there going, let me have a shot at him. And God's saying, my integrists are covered. They're under an authority and a protection. And you say, but Pastor Drew, are you saying that bad doesn't happen to good people? Let me first read to you Psalm 91, 9. It says, if you make the Lord your refuge, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. You walk around with a little bit more swag. How did you get a promotion? Everybody else getting laid off. I've got God to give credit for He's covering me. How come you're not freaking out when everybody else is freaking out? I just believe my God is working all things for the good of those who loves him. I'm just going to stay faithful to him. I'm going to keep my integrity with him, and I'm going to walk with him. But, Pastor Drew, are you saying that bad things don't happen to good people? No. What I am saying is that the protection won't allow anything more than what you can handle. The only time Satan takes down, I'm sorry, the only time God takes down the protection is when he says, you think Job's going to give up that superficially? You think he's that shallow? I will allow a testing so that I'm not the only one who crushes Satan's head. So that Job and his testimony in the end will crush your head too. Because you think you've got it all figured out. But whenever I allow the protection to come down, it is only because I know that the person can conquer it. For you shall not come across any temptation that you cannot conquer. And if it becomes much, God will make a way out of it. In other words, what you might be going through. 
the storm you might be walking through. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying God's got more faith in you than you might have in him. And I want you to build up your faith today to realize God knows I can conquer this thing. He would not allow it if I didn't. Let's look at Joseph for just a minute. If you know the book of Joseph, I'm not the book of Joseph, the story of Joseph. One of God's people, God gives him a dream, but his brothers throw him into a pit. That doesn't sound very nice. That doesn't sound like God protected him very well. Then he actually gets pulled out of the pit, sold into slavery, and then he becomes falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of sleeping with her when he was a man of integrity. You say, God's not protecting him. Oh, but I'm telling you, he's building something up in him, and he's realizing, don't give up, because what I'm doing in you is going to elevate you to higher heights if you will just walk in integrity. So then he gets falsely accused. He gets thrown into a prison, and you say, that's a test that's undeserving. And a baker and a butler here are prophecy of God and they forget about him and he's stuck in a prison but oh what I'm trying to tell you is that when you are tested and you walk in integrity God's not through yet the end of the story is not death in the grave he is still a resurrecting God he brings him out of the pit out of Potiphar's house out of the prison and elevates him into a palace where he doesn't just feed his family he doesn't just feed himself he feeds the entire nation of God's people in other words God said, I know my boy Joseph can handle it, and I'm going to elevate him to places that if his integrity fails, it won't work out, but my boy can handle it. And the same thing is happening with Job. I'm going to talk about that more next week, so if you know somebody in a pit, if you know somebody going through a hard time, tell them, you got to come with me next week. Just tell them you're going to a movie and yank them here. Come on. Here's the second thing I need you to understand. That Satan starts arguing with God. And he says, human beings' faith is superficial. It's shallow. As long as they get what they want, they worship you. But when things go wrong, they roll out on you. And he said, actually, man's faith is so conditional, he gives two conditions of what it is. And today, your integrity will decide if Satan is right about you or me. Because he wasn't right about Job. Here's the first one he says. He says, the price of man's obedience is material. Satan says this, if you let me take out his house, if you let me have a shot at his camel, if you let me have a shot at all of his stuff, his possessions, he'll curse you and roll out just like anybody else. You bragging on Job. You, you saying Job's such a man of integrity, but he'll roll out on you and he'll be as shallow as anybody else if you just let me attack his stuff. This is the attack of if I have all I need, I'll worship God. And we've heard these. Protect your toes a little bit. I, 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 I would be a good pastor if I share this stuff. I can't just tickle your ears. i got to be real. Sometimes we say things like this. If I get some free time this weekend, then I'll go to church. Or if I get all my bills paid, then I'll give some to what God's heart is on. Or we say, if I don't have to wake up too early, then I'll consider serving. It's, it's a conditional if I get what I need. Now, some don't stop there. They make it about if I get all I want. In other words, this is the question. It's getting, it's getting quiet up in this Presbyterian church. This is the question of whether God comes before your pleasures. 
if I get all I want, let me pick on me and step on my toes first. Last week, I told you the story of how my wife and I went through five years of undiagnosed infertility. And the question came, God, how can you do this, this, and this for everybody else and ignore what we've got going on? Come on, why aren't you acting like God? I could be God better than this. Come on, don't you see the plans? But it all gets boiled down to this question I had to ask myself. Is this it? Is this how deep my faith goes? Is this where I'm going to, if this is the hill that I give up on God on, then I'm not worthy of the hill that he died for me on. Come on, this cannot be it. Whether he provides a child or not, whether my possessions increase or decrease. Come on, I came from the dirt and I will go back to the dirt. But blessed be the name of the Lord is what Job was saying in the midst of this. He didn't live for just material. Come on, for 10 years my wife and I were youth pastors. I used to try to teach young people, hey, why don't you learn how to tithe while you're not making very much. Tithe, the Bible says that we are called that the first 10% of everything we earn is to be returned to God's house. So I try to teach them, you just babysat $25. Why don't you tithe the first $2.50 so that you learn how to do that. And I would hear things like this, well, pastor, I used to tithe, but then my iPhone screen broke. So I had to stop so that I could fix my screen. But once I finish fixing my screen, I'll go back to giving to God. Which is to say, my pleasures come before his house. My stuff will dictate whether I will keep God number one or number two in my life. See, sometimes we put God second to our wants. And when we do, we make Satan's claims true about us. I don't want Satan to come out true about anybody in this house. And I speak no condemnation for anybody, but I am saying that God wanted you to have a line today where you realize today I'm getting my integrity back. And I need you to notice that there's something going on here. Generosity actually safeguards our integrity. When we become about ourselves, we, we hoard and we keep and greed and pride comes to us. Generosity safeguards our integrity. In fact, some of us can plumb the depths of our spiritual integrity by seeing how obedient we have been to the tithe. We can see just how deep our allegiance to God goes. We, because, let's be real, he gave up 100% of his life. And we can struggle to give up 10% of what we earn. He gave 100% of what he has given to me. And I'll struggle to give 10% back to him when it's his in the first place. See, listen. God says in Malachi chapter 3, don't rob from me. Bring all of the tithes into my house so that there's enough food for my people. So the first claim for Satan is that man's allegiance is only as deep as material. And his second one is in the second chapter of Job. Job passes the first test, and I'm believing y'all are going to pass the first test too. But then Satan goes on to say this, yeah, he passed that test, but skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. The second price of man's obedience, Satan says, is man's obedience is only physical. It's material, and if it's not material, it's physical. As long as I 
am healthy, I'll worship God. As long as I look good, as long as I can athletically perform. I've been a coach for athletes for a long time. Who gave those athletes that gift? They'll all tell you God gave it and I worked on it. But then they blow out a knee and who's the first person who gets cursed? Listen, is our allegiance and our worship it can't be so shallow that if I go through one testing of health that I roll out and I curse God in the same way everybody else does. Some of you might be going through a storm, but I'm here to tell you that death doesn't get the end of the story. That was last week's message. Our God specializes in resurrection. I can't wait till we reveal a story to you. I got so excited, I snuck a little bit out in the first experience, so I'll have to go ahead and repeat again today. There was a man who came in last Easter full of fear. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you one-on-one. He said, last week they found cancer in my leg, and they found evidence that it's spreading. We have no idea how far it's spreading. I'm scared out of my mind. I want to tell you that God made no mistakes when he had him in this room listening to how the death and the grave does not have the end of the story. God's not done yet. He resurrects. He does life. That wasn't the end of Job's story. That wasn't the end of my story. That wasn't the end of Jesus' story. He texted me on Monday. He said, Pastor Drew, I need to talk to you immediately. You know what Satan said? Don't call back. You'll get discouraged. I called him back. I said, Pastor Drew, I went for a scan to see how far it spread. And they told me that they can't find a trace of cancer anywhere in my body. Come on. I was so pumped just to hear that, listen, my allegiance doesn't go only as deep as my health. We got to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throw me in the fire. My God can deliver me. And even if he does not, I shall not abandon my Lord. My faith is not so shallow. It is not so superficial that my allegiance only goes as deep as God's bag of fairy dust. No, 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 no. My God has done enough for me by delivering me from my sins. And whether he heals this or whether he does this or not, my God has proven he's on the throne, he's alive, he's worthy of my worship. Somebody who agrees with me, start praising God right now. Satan was wrong about Job. I already told you in the Job story. He won. But my question for you is, was Satan right about you? You don't get to answer the question of whether he's right or wrong about you with your words. Like, he ain't going to get me like that. That stuff's not going to happen to me. I would never roll out on God, even if that happened to me. No, 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 no. The only thing that gets to answer that question is your integrity. It's an intangible answer that when we go through the tests of life, we're going to see whether when everything heats up, will your integrity hold up? Your integrity says, will I do what I ought to even when I know it might cost you? So next week, I'm going to tell you what happens next and why God would even allow it in the first place. I'm so excited about this message. Tell your neighbor, we cannot miss this. But I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. I'm going to encourage you to read Job 1 and 2 as homework this week. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. This is what God says about Job in Job 1.22. In all of this stuff, in all that happened to him, in the empty tank of life, in the worst news you could possibly receive, 
Job did not sin by blaming God. That's the goal of our integrity. Come on. Blameless in the Lord's sight. Doing what we ought to, even when we know it might cost you. Living in the dark as if all of it was in the light. Having an integrity where we don't take it too far, where we can walk in such a way that when we approach Jesus one day, the Bible says that when we die, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. When we die, there will be a judgment. And here's the words that I want you to have that your integrity allows you to say with your mouth because you're in God's presence. You will not be able to lie. And here's what I want your integrity to be able to say. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained, say this last word with me, guys, faithful. God, I feel it in the people today. Restore faithfulness in our hearts. I sense you saying that there's some on the verge of losing their integrity today, you've not only thrown them a lifeline, but you've empowered them and strengthened them to hold firm to their faith, knowing God's not done yet. Come on. When everybody else is indulging, we realize we live a separated, set-apart life, and it's not for no good, for you are putting up a wall of protection over us that Satan gets ticked off about because, God, you are an active God. You are a living, breathing, good God who watches over, who protects, who guards his sheep, who guards and guides, who loves and cares for. You lead us to green pastures. You restore our souls. And so today, where any of us are growing weak, whenever temptation is getting loud, today I speak the affirmation of our integrity. That, Father, you did the heavy lifting when you died for our sins. You reset us. You set us free. And you gave us new life again. And then you asked for us to do our part, to walk in integrity, to put on our lips the testimony of Daniel. I have decided in my heart, I will not defile myself. Come on, I feel like right now some dealing with struggles in marriage. Maybe infidelity already happened. But God is saying it's time to restore integrity. You are not too far gone. God will not give up. Satan loves to say this. You took it too far. You went across the line. You screwed up. You might as well keep indulging. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God is saying, today I'm here to restore some integrity. And I know this was a tougher word, but I know a lot of people are about to get set free. So in the name of Jesus Christ, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Open up your hands right now and receive freedom. Receive restoration. Receive forgiveness. Someone at home is receiving forgiveness right now. You're feeling fresh wind in your sails again because what has been done in the dark, God is going to forgive in the light. And he's going to use your testimony. And it, God is victorious. So, Father, those who have walked in integrity, strengthen it right now. I speak a word. Take a new grip with your tired hands. And hold strong to faith in Jesus Christ. He is your protection today. Do you receive that? And with every head bowed and every eye still closed, come on, I feel like if we could see spiritual muscles, they're growing in this place today. 
God is raising up a people that he can say, have you seen my boy Job? Have you seen my boy Zach? Have you seen my boy Les? Have you seen my girl Shelby? Have you seen my lady Mary? Have you seen them? Oh, Satan, you're going to be sifted. You're going to be sifted. You'll be ticked because they are blameless. They walk with you. Restored. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Drew, I want to get back to being right with God, but I've got things I've messed up. I lost my integrity a long time ago, or maybe you lost it last night. But in this place, I want you to realize there is freedom for sin. For those who confess it, call upon the name of the Lord and repent of it. And God says, walk free and, and go in new life. If you're in this place, no one's looking around. Every head's bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call you forward and I'm not going to embarrass you. But today's your day. Just throw your hand up in the air and don't even wait. You say, Pastor Drew, I need to get my integrity back. I want, I, I want to confess my sin. You don't have to hold your hand up long. Just throw it up long enough to say, hey, I'm making an act of faith and I'm putting it back down. I've seen many hands in this place. Go ahead right now and say, that's me too. Include me in that prayer. No one else is looking around, but God sees you. And at home, if that's you, come on, you're getting freedom today. The whole church is going to pray out loud with you. I want you to repeat this prayer and I want you to believe it in your heart. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I know I screwed up. I've hurt you. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. When he died on that cross, he bled and died to set me free. So I get to start all over today. My sins are under your blood. And all you see is innocence now because of him. I believe in you, Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And I make a new start today with you as my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Why don't you make it as loud as you can for your new brothers and sisters in Jesus' name.